0: Power to radically change your friendships and radically change your life. But before we get to that question, can someone tell me what this device is? Did I hear? It? Not a boombox. This is a label maker. Yes, and what do label makers make? Labels. Before I came onto stage, I made some labels. Is there an eighth grader? Eighth grader out there? Yeah. All right. Oh, pass it back. Sorry. But, um, you have to come up front for these. Honor roll. Anyone on the honor roll? Yeah. Yeah. Honor roll. Musician. Do we have anyone musician out there? All right. This is the benefit of sitting up front. And an athlete. Does anyone play sports? Cheerleaders totally count. See labels. When I was reading through those two plus pages of questions, I saw that you had a lot of labels for your friends. You talked about friends that were old from elementary school, new friends. You talked about real friends, fake friends, two-faced friends, Christian friends, non-Christian friends. And let's get something, st- something squared away. You only have, well, there's only three people who get to label something Who has the right to label something? A manufacturer has the right to label something. If you make something, you slap a label on it. You got a label on your shirt, you got a label on your shoes, your sports equipment, your music equipment. You make something, you put a label on it, it's cool, we accept it. You can also label something if you own it. It would be weird if I showed up to your house with my label maker and started slapping labels on things. Dog, table, sock drawer. Because you and I both know, even though I might be right, I don't have the right. Owners label things, not visitors. And the third type of person who gets to label something is a purchaser. You buy something, you get something. You purchase a backpack, and what better you do, write your name on it. Yeah, you label it. So manufacturers, owners, and purchasers get to make labels. Now... We carry around labels. We carry around labels. And it gets to a point where we got to ask this question. The question that I'm bringing tonight, the question that has the capability to radically change your friendships and radically change your life. Now I'm going to put the question up on the screen, and I want you to think about the answer to yourself, okay? Don't turn to your neighbor and giggle and say what you think the answer is or anything like that. Just think about it to yourself. Can we do this? I think you can. All right, let's try it out. Uh, we're going to give a practice question, okay? Because I don't know if we can do this. Who sings the song, We Are Never, Ever, 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 Getting Back Together? Wait, 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 wait. You were supposed to think about the question to yourself. Whatever happened to that? Taylor Swift is right. Some of you are like, yeah, I was quiet, but I didn't know the answer, so that's why I was quiet. (laughs) Now, Taylor Swift does sing the song, but I'm going to put the question up on the screen, the question that has the capability to radically change your friendships. And I want you to think about the answer to yourself. Who has the right to label you? Who has the right... To label you. We get labels from our friends, from our parents, from our teachers, or our coaches. We even label ourselves. You know, a label that I got from my parents growing up, my mom, she would say it in a nice way. She said, well, Ben, he marches to the beat of a different drummer. It was her nice way of saying that I was the wild child. That I would just do whatever I wanted to do. If everyone was going right, I was going left. And this wild child label informed some of my decisions, like, well, what would the wild child do? I want to do that. And that was a label that I carried. Another label that I, that I got was one that I gave myself. I remember the very first really big test that I took in junior high, seventh grade, a math test. I enjoyed math. I thought I was going to do well at this test. This test is brought to you by the letter A, right? And when I got that test back, the letter A didn't show up, but the letter F did. And I gave myself a label. Not smart. And that informed how I would go about my math class through junior high and high school. It was a label I gave myself. There was another label that kind of snuck up on me. I got it from some friends. You see, some friends and I, we got busted stealing cigarettes. I mean, that's the double whammy right there. Stealing and smoking, right? In junior high, like game over. I think I just got ungrounded last week. And of course, all the parents were huddled up. And I was raised that honesty is the best policy. You tell the truth. And so I told the truth about what I did and about what my friends had done. And the next day, people who weren't even a part of the incident, people in other grades, in the hallways had a label for me, Nark is what they would say, you, you're a rat, you're two-faced, you're a tattletale, and that day, I really reflected, is honesty really the best policy? You see, labels are powerful things. Say that with me. Labels are powerful things. Labels have the power to lock you in and lock opportunity out. And the wrong label has the power to lock you in and lock God out. And I know for some of you this is the first time that you've seen me or or heard from me and Yet, I don't think that I'm the only one. I think we've got this in common, that you and I both have experienced being labeled and then even living out those labels and trying to overcome those labels. And some of the labels, you know, we get from our friends, parents, teachers, coaches, but some of them we get that we name ourselves, And some of them aren't even all that bad, like superstar, right? Or, or hot, or you think you're hot. Or you want to be hot, or you want to know someone who's hot, or you used to be hot, but then you got the braces, and then you're going to be back, though, right? (laughs) Or how about this? The word that has been on the top for generations of junior hires, popular. What's popular, right? And that's a label that we go after, which brings us full circle to that question that I asked you earlier is, who has the right to label you? Do your friends have the right to label you? Do your parents, teachers, coaches have the right to label you? No. The one who has the right to label you is the one who made you, the one who owns you, and the one who purchased you. And if you are not a Christian, You've got, I've, I've got to tell you that Jesus lived for you. He lived a perfect life, died a horrible death on a cross. His blood was shed so that your sins could one day be forgiven if and only if you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's not going to wrestle you in into to heaven into the kingdom. You get to choose. And so if you're not a Christian, I'm glad that you're here tonight. I don't expect anything from you. You get to listen into this conversation and take what you want and leave what you don't. That's totally cool. But if you are a Christian, if you do follow Jesus, you know this, right? That God made you. He owns you. You're purchased by the blood. You are not your own. And so why would we take labels from the world? Good news is we aren't the only people who are struggling with labels. Because just a generation after Jesus died, there were Christians in the city of Rome who had the same struggle. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote many letters to churches in different cities encouraging Christians on how to keep, keep their faith and stay on fire for, for Jesus and telling that story. And so he wrote a letter to the people, to the Christians in Rome who were having trouble living out labels of the world— And not living how they they were supposed to. And so I want to take one verse, one verse from Paul's letter to the Romans. And it will help us answer that question of who has the right to label you. It will be on a couple different slides and the words that are highlighted I'm going to talk about a little bit more. The verse is this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Conform, that means shape yourself to. So do not shape yourself to the pattern of the world. Well, what's a pattern? You know what a pattern is. A pattern repeats itself, right? Over and over and over again. You're smart. You probably knew this, but just take a minute to talk about it. Before you made it to junior high, you know that there were other junior high students there before you, right? And you know that those students that were there before you set the pattern... Of what would be cool at school. And what would be popular. And who you should date. What type of person. What things you should say. Should you swear or not. What activities should you go to. How should you spend your time. What should you wear. All of those patterns were determined. Before you even got there. And if you don't know. Who you are. Then you just show up on the scene. To the junior high school everyone and say, well, what's the pattern? <laughs> what's the pattern? What are we doing today? What's the cool thing to wear? What's the cool thing to say? Who should I talk to? Who should I date? Which guy is cute? How far should I go in my relationship with my boyfriend or girlfriend? What's the pattern? What am I going to be accepted by? And you try to figure it out from your friends along the way. But what Paul is saying, what God, when he looks down and says, are you kidding me? Why are you going to let the people around you control you? You know that when you take a label, you're just saying, hey, why don't you be the boss of me? And it sounds kind of silly when you say it out loud. And so Paul is saying, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but instead be transformed. That means break away from that pattern of the world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. This means you think differently you think differently about the patterns of the world and you think differently about these labels don't conform or shape yourself to the patterns of of the world and what's already going on be transformed by the renewing of your mind now this is the first half of the verse the second half is on the next slide but before before I show it I need to say that that the adults in the room you know the second half of the verse is a promise if, if you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the second half of the verse is a promise that the adults in the room right now, some of are thinking, man, I wish someone would have told me this when I was in junior high. You have the opportunity to get this right the first time. And so the promise is this. If you can have your mind transformed and renewed, into what what God has said you are, then here's the promise. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Will is another word for plan. God has a plan for you. Did you know that? God has a plan for your life, and you don't want to miss it because his plan is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. It is good. I know you're 13, 14, 15 years old, and you're like, Ben... I've tried God's plan, and God is really cramping my style right now. I remember being 14, thinking I could live my life better than God knew, how I ought to live my life, and making decisions in according to that. But you got to trust that God's plan is good, because you're 13, 14, 15 years old now, but one day you will be 28, 29, 30 years old, and you will look back. And you'll have one of two stories to share. You'll say, man, I am so glad I trusted that God's plan was good. I didn't think it was good at the time. I was actually even mad, but it was good. Or you will look back with pain and regret, thinking, man, God's plan was good. And I rejected it. And then you're still dealing with that pain when you're 28, 29, 30 So God's plan is good. That's where the faith comes in. That's where you gotta trust. It is pleasing. You will enjoy it, and it is perfect. You know why it's perfect? Because you are one of a kind, unique. You weren't made to be in one category so everyone could figure out who you were by whatever big, broad label you have under an umbrella of people. No, you are fearfully and wonderfully made one of a kind, and God has a plan for you, and that Is why it's perfect. And you have a question staring you straight in the face tonight. Who has the right to label you? And the only person you can control in this is one person, it's yourself. You can't control what your friends are going to say or how your friends need to act or what they need to do. You can only control you. And you've got to answer that question. Who has the right to label me? And I believe that friendship should be about encouragement into testing and knowing what God's will and what God's plan is. How cool would it be to know your friend's plan? That God has for their life. For your friend to know. What if we showed up to our relationships and friendships like, how can I encourage you today? Instead of, how can I get you to do what I want you to do? Or be who I want you to be. Man, I think God gave us friends for that reason. So we could encourage each other. And that's a friendship that I want to be a part of. Do you? Do you? I want to say a prayer for you. Heavenly Father, I've been in that place where I've questioned your will, the plan that you've had for my life. If it really was good, if it really was going to be pleasing or perfect. And I am sorry for those times that I called that into question. I'm sorry for the, those times where I just couldn't step out in faith. And even now today, Lord, I, it's a struggle. Lord, there's a young woman here tonight who is in that place where she doesn't know if the plan that you have for her life is, is even there. And she's going to other places to try to work out a plan. And plan after plan after plan, it doesn't work. And so meet her where she's at tonight and give her that encouragement she needs. And Lord, I know there's a young man in this room who knows you as the Lord and Savior. He knows you on Sunday mornings, but he doesn't really know you through the week. There's a blip on the radar on Wednesday night, and there's this tension inside of him. He doesn't know what to do because he wants to live out his own life, but he wants to seek you. Lord, all of those distractions that pull us away from you, may they be set aside. And may we really, like Paul writes, have a transformation in our minds renewed. Give us the strength and the courage to be the friend that is an encourager. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song right now. The song is Jesus paid it all. I mean, he's the one who made you, who owns you, who purchased you. And for some of you, the best way that you're going to worship right now is to belt out this song. For some of you, you just need some quiet time. Take it. And for others, you don't even know what this Jesus following thing is all about. I'd encourage you just to read the words on the screen and then ask your small group leader a follow-up question.